Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I don't know how many uh, people had this happen to them on uh, Saturday night for the uh, Leaf Lightning game, but I had to set it up to record because we had gone to the theater uh, during the day. Oh. Uh, we went to see uh, Avatar, The Way of Water. Okay. The Way to an App is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. I mean, we saw it in 3D, had the glasses on and everything. So even if I had an app, nobody would have uh, been able to tell, except for the snoring. But um, anyhow, so I set it up to record, got home, had a little dinner, turned it on. Uh, it was probably halfway through the first maybe or something by the time I got to it. Anyhow, my PVR is, it's a new PVR. And so I used to have options where you could set to record uh, longer than yes. the, the show. And it used to go up to like an hour, hour and a half. Now I only get like 30 minutes over. Oh, really? So yeah, with this new PVR, what I should have done is set it for half an hour over and then Take set the it to record show. the next show. Yeah. Anyhow, I didn't. And of course, I missed the, the game winning goal. <laughs> I just went to highlights and found it. But I sat through the whole thing and then it. It ended on me just, I think, just before the goal happened. So when did you wa- watch it then? Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. I just fast forwarded through the commercials and and didn't. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't. Uh, right. Just watched the game. So I didn't all that time you'd missed. So was it an afternoon, like a matinee of yeah, the four forty? Yeah, but it started oh, okay. four forty. But it's three and a half hours True. long. Okay, then you're behind. Or four ten it started. Whatever time it started. Uh, yeah, so I was behind like half a period. So by the time you fast forward through the intermissions and all right. that, because that's and uh, you didn't catch up in time to watch it live. I mean, it went almost dirt. five or four or four full periods, right? Listen, what I'm telling you is, I missed the overtime goal. I don't know how I missed it. I was just fast forwarding and I missed it. <laughs> you shut it off. Listen, no, no, I stayed awake. Not only Avatar, but the damn movie. Wow. I think we even watched a sitcom after. Yeah. Anyhow. Listen, I thought it was. Uh, I thought the Leafs uh, played well. I, th- I thought it could have been any anybody's game. I thought Samsonov, from the little experience I have as a goaltender, which it was like one game when I was 15, and then a father-son thing. Um, I thought he. I thought he was good. I thought out of the three games he's played in, he looked best. Oh really? Appearance was Saturday night. He was just now. Look to me again. What do I know about goaltending? But it seemed to me he was uh, stopping some shots that might have gone in on any other given day. Right. And the the amount of shots that Tampa had up on the uh, up on the board was significantly more than the Leafs were taking uh, at the other end of the ice. So he right. certainly did his job. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he stopped Fox. That's that's in the end. That's mm. all they need. Stop Fox. Win the game. I thought he looked a bit shaky. Oh, yeah. you know, I, I just, just in terms of his, you know, like structurally as a goaltender, you want to be calm and, mm-hmm. and absorb pucks. To me, it seemed like he was swimming a bit, and there was shots from the point that, you know, are given through a screen, but goalies at that level are supposed to try and look around and, and, and are able to find pucks. There were pucks hitting the end boards that he hadn't moved yet on, and I, I was thinking it was a bit shaky, but in the end, they, listen, they won the game. That, yeah. That's for all the fans, all that really matters. Uh, you know, Revisit how they won that game. You think, holy crap, remember they tied that with like 20 seconds left. Or what, one minute left exactly mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the period, in the third period, and then scored it in overtime. Like, it was a very, very tight game. But it's the type of game that Leaf fans know too well they don't normally win in the playoffs. No, it's rare. But I tell you, guys, like, and, and, and there are these, these players who, you know, all you ever hear about all season long, Tavares and Matthews and Nylander, but it's guys like O'Reilly stepping up. Yeah, know? well, that's Huge, why right? you go out and get a yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. You yeah. need a guy 
with veteran experience who knows exactly what to do in these types of situations and and plays that role, mm-hmm. right? Like, who's jumping on Kucherov when he's going after uh, Riley in yeah. that in the second period? Is that, that That's O'Reilly doing. Yeah, no, he was great, and that fight was... It's so funny. The two of them uh, they looked like a couple of fawns after, after just being born, trying to get their legs. Obviously, they're not scrappers. I think that's the first fight that either of them have ever had in their NHL career, right? What Stamkos? That for sure is Austin Matthews. And yeah. I don't even know, to be honest, if you can characterize that as a fight. He never dropped his gloves. Well, no, and they, when they did take shots at one another, they missed completely. You could see, and they didn't pick it up in the broadcast, but you could see uh, if you were reading lips uh, that... Sheldon Keefe was really upset, thinking there should have been an instigator on Steven Stamkos. Mm -hmm. Stamkos grabs Matthews, starts throwing punches, drops his gloves when Matthews hadn't, right? And he's telling the ref, you know Matthews isn't a fighter. The hell is that? Mm -hmm. And and he wanted a five-on-three in that situation, and he had it worked out anyway. I thought Sheldon Keith's face was going to pop off his uh, his neck. He needed two or three blood pressure pills after yeah. that screaming rant. And it is funny. I wish I could read lips because there was a lot of chatter going on uh, between the two benches. It's funny that you can't really tell what somebody's saying, but that F-bomb, you know it right away. Yeah. We we know how many F-bombs were dropped. You we can, can read it. that. Well, right away, you see Tanner Janot say to Luke Shen, we're going to go next. Right. And, Shen's like, and, Shen, and they pointed that out. What a great calming influence he has. Mm. Stands right at the end of the bench, right in front of all of his teammates, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know Tampa, you want to talk, talk to me, and and you want to go through anybody, you're going through me. Uh, the saying can't, can't hit the uh, broadside of a barn, I think, is the, the perfect saying when it came to that fight. <laughs> neither of them throwing punches could hit the broadside of a barn. This is going to be a tough day for some. We found out that Bed Bath and Beyond is uh, going to rest in peace very, very soon. I. I think if anybody's going to be hurt by it, it's probably Frank the Tank. No, I appreciate it, but I told my wife I wouldn't drink tonight. Besides, they're going to big day tomorrow. But you guys have a great time. It's a big day. You're doing what? Well, um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. We're uh, we're going to go to Home Depot. Yeah, buy some wallpaper, maybe get some flooring, stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. <laughs> You know, it's funny, that movie, I haven't seen it in a very long time. But I always forget that there is the whole Home Depot and then right. Bed Bath & Beyond. Because then we know he ends up drinking, and then what happens? Streaking! <laughs> Everybody's streaking! Right. Oh, he was so great in that movie. Anyhow, yeah, Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, I wasn't a regular shopper, but it seems like nobody was, because that's well, why they're done. Well, they closed in Canada already. They closed, oh, uh, it done yeah, done they closed uh, last month in, oh, okay. in Canada. Now the American stores have announced they're going, too. Mm. Which, uh, I know. I mean, it's so hard, especially in the online world of Amazon mm. uh, these days. We're, we're so lazy. Like, I just heard, um, I was talking to my dad on the weekend. He said, oh, I hear your Amazon's changing their rules uh, for returns now. They're going right. to charge you uh, if you don't go to certain locations to return it. They charge you a buck or two in order to sure. return things. Um and part of it is because he's like, oh, yeah, a friend of mine, they, they order, like, ten of something to figure out. If they don't know what size they want, they'll just order every size and then returns the, the ones that they don't want. And that's just one person. Hundreds of thousands of people probably doing that. Yeah. All the garbage that gets tossed for all that stuff, it's, it's ridiculous. And, but, you know, I feel bad, and it's not just Bed Bath & Beyond, how 
some stores, how the brick and mortar are even still upright. Although I say this, and yet I've been to Yorkdale recently over the last little while, and unless people just use it as a social thing to go and hang, mm. uh, there's a lot of people there shopping. I see lots of people with bags in their hands. Anyhow, my eldest and his girlfriend have taken over this condo. They're in the midst of furnishing it. They almost furnished the entire place through Facebook Marketplace yeah. and Kijiji. Right. You know, they, they found a, a used TV for 100 bucks. It was like brand new. A TV stand for free. The guy just wanted to come and take it. We mm -hmm. want to get rid of it. They, bought, they got chairs, beautiful outdoor chairs for their balcony uh, from, from a, another guy just down the street. So it's, it's, just, it's just the way everything is now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's uh, it is true, and, and and for Bed Bath and Beyond, I mean, outside of being a, a wedding registry, right, um, where, where they did so well at, at that, I can't imagine. It, there's just so many little, uh, you know, what do you call them, jingity, jingity mingities. Yeah, like little little <laughs> items. Yeah. You want to sell towels, sell towels. Yeah. But the problem is you're in competition with the the WalMarts and big box stores of the world yep. doing that. So the theory might be then the bed and the bath was fine. It was the beyond the kill. It was beyond that screwed them over. <laughs> like, bed and bath better be pretty pissed off at beyond right now. Because <laughs> they had a good thing going. They were a nice couple, but they, they got into a threesome. <laughs> we were trying to spread out too much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough. And they they claim that their big downfall was not doing enough online. You know, they they started too slow to it probably. Yeah, they yeah. started in '71. They really had their troubles starting in 2019. They peaked around 2011. So somewhere between 19, of course, a pandemic. But now, all these years later, somebody in head office didn't go, uh, maybe we should start selling our stuff online. I can only imagine somewhere in like the mid 2000s. There were probably some really heated arguments mm -hmm. in boardrooms of major companies about online shopping. Oh, yeah. And, and will we embrace it or will we force people to come to our stores? Mm -hmm. And I get it, right? You want, especially if you sell a lot of those jingity mingity mm -hmm. things, you want people showing up and, and seeing this stuff and yeah. taking it home with them because it might not be something they're looking to go and buy a lot of uh, online or yep. through their website. But the problem is, is that we're lazy. People want to stay at home and shop online, especially post-pandemic now. Mm -hmm. Everything done online. Well, and look how well that uh, is. It Mayfair, the furniture. Oh, Wayfair. Wayfair. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, the amount of furniture and stuff that I've heard people buy through that online shop. Oh, really? Yeah. Supposedly, it does incredibly well. I've looked at it, but every time they say it's a deal, mm. right? And, and that's the problem with online. I guess any retail is like that. They can tell you what they think it's worth. Right. <laughs> and then drop that 95% to what is still very expensive. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, unless you believe that you're getting something that was originally $10,000 for 100 bucks, mm -hmm. it, it, it's just a made-up price. When it comes to shopping off Kijiji or uh, Facebook Marketplace, is there something that you just would not purchase used? Like underwear, <laughs> a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Only made love on it once. Somebody died on it. Matthew Perry says uh, he feels terrible about the Keanu Reeves insults in his book. Oh, right. And he says that he'll take the, he's taking that out of future editions of the book. He was at the L.A. Times Festival of Books, and he says, It was just a mean thing to do. I pulled his name because I live on the same street. I've apologized publicly to him. He uh, clarified that he hasn't apologized to him in person. If I run into the guy, I'll apologize. It was just stupid. 
So they live on the same street. Think there's some nice homes on that street? <laughs> One of the things Matthew Perry uh, says and speaks about in his book, and it really is an interesting read, um, how he's still upright is pretty impressive. Anyhow, one of the things he uh, looked for always in a home was the view off of the balcony. It had to be a spectacular view. And he said at the height of Friends, he had one house uh, where the view was just one of the best in all of Los Angeles. And he would stand out on that deck staring out over the world thinking, I've got it all. And yet here I stand, a broken, drunken, drug addict of a human being. Like right. Just, you know, it's that thing of, you know, you, we don't know what goes on in no. somebody else's life. I, I'm i more amazed that they still have all this land to build these, mm. like, massive mansions mm-hmm. and compounds that they do. Like, like, like Mark Wahlberg just sold his place for, like, 50-something million dollars. Mm-hmm. It had this crazy, like, tennis courts, swimming pools, golf greens, and, like, a, like a full driving range, yeah. basically. The back of it, like a full-length par three. Well, and California has the population of California is the same uh, population as all of Canada. Right. Like there's three hundred and something million people who live in that state alone. Now it's a pretty big state. It goes the whole West Coast basically, uh, so there is lots of room. But uh, yeah, they build some pretty big homes. He also Matthew Perry, I think, because he's a big hockey fan and born and raised in Ottawa. He um. He would, uh, when the Kings won uh, the Stanley Cup, uh, he hosted a party for them. Oh, really? Great photos of the Stanley Cup sitting right there on his massive patio that looks over Beverly Hills. Have you seen the pictures of Will Ferrell at the Kings game last uh, weekend? No, no. Oh, he'll look at that. <laughs> Full-on face paint. Like, just... Oh, really? Awesome. He, when, he, when he decides to turn it on... Oh, yeah. It's interesting, though, because I, I wonder about him... Because he and Adam McKay, who was his partner for a long time, right? they had a big falling out over something that Adam was producing or doing, and he didn't include Will in it. And Will was so hurt and bothered by that that he cut all ties with him. So you think, for all of Will Ferrell's shenanigans, there's another side to him. Mm. There's something else going on there. You know, either he's you know very thin-skinned, very fragile. I don't know, but to, to blow up a business uh, and a partnership over... Something like that. One too. They did well. Although watching Succession, both of their names are on that as executive producers. Now they could both produce it right. separately from one another. I guess. Well, didn't you say too that like he's doing a golf series that combines kind of a Talladega Nights type feel, mm-hmm. which they did together. So a TV show, yeah. Maybe they're back doing. Maybe it they are. Yeah. The ten highest grossing tours of all time, Billboard Box Score figured this out. The Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour, Elton John, still ongoing, I believe. I say, is that road end? But at 853 million, uh, 500.5 million attendees, 293 shows so far. The Divide Tour, Ed Sheeran, uh, it made 776 million, was seen by 8.9 million. 258 shows. And it goes on and on like this. But I find this one interesting. So it's like the top 10 of all time. Uh, the Stones have spot number 5 and 6. But th- this shows how much money they were charging for stuff. Uh, the Bigger Bang Tour, no, sorry, the No Filters Tour, which ran for uh, two years, 2017 to 19, and then for a bit in 2021, uh, made $547 million, 
2.9 million attendees, only 58 shows. Right. So it made 547 million. Compared that to um, like Guns N' Roses, they're not in this lifetime tour, made the same amount of money, give or take, 158 shows. Right. Working twice as much. Yeah. Yeah. The Stones ain't dumb. No. They're old. <laughs> but they're not new to this game. They figured some things out. This is an odd story. David Bowie and uh, Jimmy Page were pretty tight in the 1970s. And one of the things they bonded over was their shared interest in Aleister Crowley, who was an occult guru. Okay. Uh, Ozzy once had a song called Mr. Crowley. He was, mm-hmm. a, he was a big deal there at one point. Anyhow, Bowie and Page had a falling out, and Bowie became paranoid that Page had a better command of the dark arts and might actually use them against him. So in a book called William S. Burroughs and the Cult of Rock and Roll, Bowie started storing his own urine in his refrigerator because he was convinced that Page and his coven, uh, or whatever they were, wanted to use it to conceive the Antichrist. Oh, Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Space oddity? (laughs) Much? It should be noted that Bowie, of course, was doing tons of cocaine. I was going to say, how much do you have to blow Yeah, <laughs> in order to think that? There is a story uh, he, he told uh, years ago about being uh, to the point where his cocaine use was so much and every day that he remember being in the back of a, a limo and the driver had to keep driving all night long because Bowie was convinced if they stopped, they were going to be killed. Right. It must have been a fun night for the driver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a, a no tip. Yeah, right. There's also a great old photo of, I guess, when Springsteen was just coming on the scene, and he met Bowie. <clears throat> Bowie claimed later to not even remember the photo being taken. But Springsteen is young and ready to, you know, he looks very excited. He's meeting Bowie. Bowie looks like he's been on a four-day bender. <laughs> like, just a disaster of a human being. <laughs> But that was the 70s and uh, David Bowie. Do you think, like, his opening acts would look at this and go, holy crap, is this what is this what this business is like? Mm-hmm. Is this what I'm supposed to be getting into? Some of them would go, I can't wait. Yeah. You know. But you can see how he turned it around. But by the mid-80s, he was wearing the suits. He mm. got clean. Right. He was doing that, uh, whatever that massive album was at the time. Mon cleaned him up, perhaps. You know. Yeah, that's right. Could very well have. Um, Drew Barrymore has this talk show. It's it's pretty lame most of the time. But uh, Ben Affleck was on it, and he was talking to her. And I've heard him tell this story before about how him and Matt Damon grew up together in Boston, were best friends. And when they started acting, both of them were so uh, desperate to become movie stars. That they decided they would combine their money, open one bank account. So if one got a, a gig, some kind of TV commercial or something, oh, they they'd, shared it. they'd pool the money, and that would get them from Boston to New York for auditions. And right. Then he said, but the funniest thing happened when we finally sold, uh, what the hell was Goodwill Hunting. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. This is the story he tells about the money they got and how they thought they were going to be millionaires and set for life. And then when we sold Goodwill Hunting, we, I, I was like, we are now rich for life. My needs are over. I will never have to work again. We so you know, I'm rich forever. I, we sold it for $600,000. We split that, 300000 each, and then the agents got 30000 so we had two seventy, and we paid about, you know, 160 in taxes. We had $110,000. We each bought $55,000 Jeep Cherokees. Um, <laughs> 
and then have $55,000 left, which naturally we decided to rent like a $5,000 a month party house on Glencoe Way up by the Hollywood Bowl, and we were broke in six months. <laughs> That's such a guy thing. <laughs> 600 grand down to 300 grand spent in six months. Somebody at BuzzFeed decided to ask people what they thought was the most overrated movie you'd ever seen. And at the top of the list, Avatar. Ah. Now, the, yeah, I, it's a weird thing that this movie, the lovely Maria, uh, absolutely fell in love with it when it came out. Uh, Back at the beginning of the 2000s. And um, so when this uh, most recent one came out, she was uh, very excited to go to the theater. We saw it on Saturday. And it was fine. It's fine. I, it's not my thing, but uh, she really digs it. So, uh, But somebody said of Avatar, beautiful visuals, forgettable story. And it really is. It's a pretty base story. It's just enemy, you know. There's these very, these avatars, they live in this part of whatever their world and then they're fighting the sky people which are the humans and, right you know there's good and bad and then the, this new one the uh, the way of the water is the same kind of deal um forrest gump some say this was overrated really 1994 somebody said good boy who does what he's told gets accolades and fame while the girl who overcomes trauma and gets into radical politics dies of aids great message <laughs> right <laughs> Terrific soundtrack, I'll say that. Uh, Gravity, I like this. Sandra Bullock falls for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Titanic, it's just a bloated, drawn-out love story whose ending was never going to be a surprise. Right. And as soon as I read this, I just thought, my gosh. People said Shawshank, 1994, overrated. I knew someone was going to go for that. It's a good film, they say, but it's the gold play of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, if you told me your favorite film is the Shawshank Redemption, I'm going to immediately wish I wasn't having a conversation about cinema with you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, someone really doesn't like it. I'm trying to think of movies that uh, that I thought were overrated. Um, I know there's been lots of films that I thought were great at a certain time and then have gone back and watched them, and they're just not nearly as funny nor great as I remember them to be. Right. That, that, that's happened a lot. And I also think there's been films, one of the problems with uh, movies that have a lot of hype, people get really excited about it, and you go and you see it, and the hype never lives up. I guess, I guess we're just we're expecting so much. Because yeah. people are saying so much. Uh, and I I guess, like, cult classics would probably fall into there. Like, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head would be something like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I just, I never got. Like, See, I loved it. I know. For me, it yeah. just wasn't that. Yeah. I, I didn't get into it. Right. Yeah, even the soundtrack you didn't care for? I mean, yeah. I love the soundtrack. Right. At the late night picture show. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's certainly, uh, there's movies that uh, I um, I didn't love, but others did, like Pulp Fiction for me is a great example. Okay. Again, I never understood all the hype around it. I found it kind of slow and boring. Right. Whereas some people would, you know, think you're uh, the devil for saying oh, such things. You couldn't, there was a period of time, right? Quentin Tarantino was it. You couldn't say, the guy would produce a fart and people... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thought it was art, <laughs> but yeah, didn't do it for me. And I, listen, I and I admit it fully. My, I'm pretty base in my entertainment 
Well, I swim very much in the shallow end of the pool. Right. Like I saw while we were waiting to get into the movie, there was a, an ad for an upcoming film with uh, Sebastian Maniscalco and uh, Robert De Niro. Okay. And it's written by Sebastian, and it's about his life with his dad. So, of course, Robert De Niro is going to play an old, cranky Italian right. guy. Gotcha. And the same kind of character he's played in about the last dozen films he's been in. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to love it. Like, I'm so excited <laughs> to see it. I don't need a lot of depth, baby. That's what she said. Ever wish you were taller? Well, there's a, an actual surgery now. You can have your legs lengthen. Oh, my goodness. And it's more popular than ever. NBC News just profiled a 26-year-old guy who had it done last year. He was 5'7". Okay. Now he's 5'10". All right. And it was not an easy process. They basically break both legs up around your thighs. Oh. Then they insert a rod in each. The new bones slowly start to grow. The rods work on a remote that lengthens them up to one millimeter per day for the next three or four months. Oh, God. At that point, this guy was able to get around uh, using a walker. Then he switched to a cane. So basically, you're disabled for a while. Lots of physiotherapy involved. He says he's happy with the results. Says it's worth it now, right? I guess so. He says he's never wanted to be tall, just tall enough for people to stop making comments about his height. Right. He says making fun of someone's height is still acceptable for some reason. And the surgeon who did it says he expects to do around 50 leg lengthening procedures this year alone. That's one a week. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, most of these patients are men, uh, but not all of them are young. The surgeon says he's got guys who are in their 60s. Who have uh, expressed interest. You still do that? Your bones still grow back at that point? I guess they do. Seems like a lot of pain and suffering for just a few inches. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.